0: Here's a nutshell version of a story that I recently heard on NPR. A young woman had just experienced a traumatic breakup. She'd been struggling with mental illness and an eating disorder. And she was also out of a job and desperately and without success looking for work. Things were rough. Another job application had been rejected that day. Across the street from the business that had just closed its door to her, there was a grocery store. Hurt and hungry, she decided to go get something to eat. But as she was crossing the street, she was approached by a man who needed some money. He looked like he'd been living outside for a while. She ignored him, so he called out to her again. That's when she verbally unleashed all of her interior chaos on him before entering the grocery store. She was unkind, projecting her own hurt and rejection back out onto another person. It happens. So much of the evil done in the world, the unkindness that's so richly displayed, comes as a result of rejection. Rejection rewires our brains so that ever after, triggered, we fall back into the very same behavior that dismantled us in the first place. Rather than being able to operate out of love, we operate out of fear. Fear. Remember Galatians 5, way back then? The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. But as that young woman was shopping the aisles, the words that she said to the man on the street haunted her. What had she become to be so mean? She felt so badly that she turned around, went out of the store, hoping to find the man where she had left him. And he was there. She fished some change out of her pocket, and apologized over and over and over for her harsh words and behavior. As she handed him her change, the man gently took her hand in his, and he looked her in the eye and said, It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7 says, At one time, We, too, were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, hating, being hated by one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become... It's gonna be okay. We've been working through a fruitful series the last few weeks, the Fruit of the Spirit Countdown. And today, we've landed on the fruit or quality of a character connected with Christ called kindness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What a beautiful offering we have to give to the world what a beautiful harvest comes from our grafting to Christ our vine love is kind love is the root and the vine because God is love remember from first kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Whoops, I added verse 8 there. (laughs) But it does not ever fail. And uh, then again in in 1 John 4, 8, and whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. I think of kindness when empowered by the spirit of God as a kind of cosmic boomerang. And I'll show you what I mean. This was actually the whole inspiration for this sermon, besides the Holy Spirit. Um, What is this? A K, right. Kindness begins with the letter K, right. What is this? A boomerang. I couldn't get a real one. Glenn tried for me, but I couldn't get one. And so, when I look at the letter K... And I hold up the boomerang. See? So the boomerang reminds me of kindness. You probably would have to be in my brain to understand that. And that's not always a good place to be. So you can look up how a boomerang works on your own time. I considered giving you diagrams and an explanation. For my purposes today, it's enough to know that a boomerang is a very cool and useful tool for hunting uh, kangaroos, but we won't do that, or a toy to play with. Because once you've thrown it, it flies in an elliptical trajectory and comes right back to your hand. It may, however, take some practice, and don't try it inside. (laughs) This is not a cosmic boomerang wielded for the purposes of hunting or competition kindness. Being kind to get something for ourselves from God or from others. It's thrown with and for and empowered by God. Under God's authority and direction, kindness will hit a mark you never could have hit in your own power, and come back to your hand with results you could never have thought to ask for or even imagine. The boomerang will return to you. It's going to be okay. When the young woman from the NPR story turned around and expressed kindness to the man on the street, her kindness boomeranged back to her in exactly the way she needed in the moment. For the first time, she said she felt seen. This story took place over a decade ago, and she never saw the man again after that one brief encounter. Over a decade ago. She hasn't forgotten. And that story, as it's retold, keeps spreading the kindness and inspiring others to do the same. That's how kindness works. There's an unstoppable power for good in kindness, and it is a power that hits the mark and turns back to bring good to the hand that sent it out. Not always the way we expect it, but always far better than we could have imagined. The more you read the Bible, the more you will see the amazing boomerang effect of kindness when it is lent to the purposes of God. Intentionally and unintentionally, those who are kind become partners with God in God's plan to It for bringing everything back into his hand at the end of linear time. We declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what no human mind conceived, the things God prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. In women's Bible study last Tuesday night, we discussed the difference between being nice and being kind. We decided that nice is how we act to make social interactions work smoothly. It's surfacey and situational. You might be nice to someone to their face, but gossip about them later. Or you might be nice until you see something posted on their social media account that you personally find offensive. You might be nice to a rude person at a party, so as not to make yourself and others uncomfortable. Nice is more self-referential and can be self-protective. In a good sense, it's like a picket fence around a yard to keep your dog in and the neighbor's dog out. It's helpful sometimes, entirely valid when it's not hiding something ugly. But kindness goes farther. The word for kindness that Paul used in his letter to the Galatians is krestates. That's Greek, and it's Greek to me, so I'm really probably not pronouncing it correctly. But it's defined as selfless devotion, thinking of others, doing and showing good to others without thought of how it will or will not benefit you. Remember, the fruits of the Spirit grow from our connection with Christ. They are fed by his Spirit. And Jesus, being the epitome of kindness, did not hesitate to kick people out of the temple who were making a profit off the poor. This was something that did not, in the moment, benefit him. It only stirred his enemies into a greater urgency to have him killed. I wouldn't have watched Jesus in action then and concluded that he was nice. But I would have seen him as a true rabbi, a real teacher, warning the religious gatekeepers of the temple, his father's house. He was using scripture very familiar to them. They would have known what he was saying. From Jeremiah 7, verses 9 to 11 Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, We are safe. Safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. That wasn't nice. Jesus wasn't nice. But he displayed kindness by opening the possibility for repentance to the moneylenders in the temple, and the possibility for those who were being taken advantage of by them to start being treated fairly. In my mind, I see kindness as the one who opens doors to possibilities that might not otherwise happen, whereas niceness just smiles, waves from the porch behind the picket fence, And refuses to disrupt the status quo. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, in this context in Romans, Paul was talking about pagans, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness Forbearance and patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. God is love. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Don't you think everybody should get that chance? What if we could help them come to that place by being kind rather than judgy? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Through him, it's going to be okay. Let me share another example of what I mean when I say that kindness in conjunction with the power of God is like a boomerang. This is a story in Exodus many of us are familiar when Pharaoh was having all of the Hebrew baby boys killed because he was afraid that they would take over someday. So this story, though, is about his daughter, a person whose act of kindness returned to her in the form of salvation for her own people and all the rest of us. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months But when she could hide him no longer, she got up a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. I think there were crocodiles in the Nile. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank, She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women, women, my mom, to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. She was kind. So the woman took, sorry, the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. How beautiful the kindness of Pharaoh's daughter. She reflected the character of God, the kindness of God, into the waters of the Nile. Had she been simply nice, she would have looked the other way as the baby and his sister came into view. She wouldn't have raised an alarm, but neither would she have raised a finger to help in more effective ways. Instead, she drew Moses out of the water and covered him and his family with her powerful name. She made him an heir. In doing so, she empowered Moses to take his place in God's plan for the redemption of all people. Through, though Moses had to flee from Egypt and God's judgment upon Egypt later in his life, he would, in a sense, return through Christ and bring the hope of salvation to her, the land of his adopted mother. Like a boomerang, watch how kindness returned to the hand of Egypt from a little town called Bethlehem after a centuries-long elliptical trajectory. Now, the pharaoh in the story was powerful King Herod the Great. He was feeling deeply threatened by baby Hebrew boys and was going to have them killed, just like Pharaoh. This time, our hero of kindness was Joseph, our Joseph from the Christmas story, who, in a sense, drew another baby, Jesus, and his mother out of going to be okay. Joseph was kind. Joseph was selfless. God partners with people like that. Because he was kind, Joseph didn't want to disgrace Mary, and so God graced them both. Later, In Matthew 2, after the birth of Jesus, wise people from the east traveled a long way to visit the little family. En route, they stopped to pay their respects to King Herod, not realizing that he was at heart a murderer and a madman who would stop at nothing to maintain his power. He sweet-talked them and asked them to just let me know where the blessed child is staying so I can pay him a visit and worship him like everybody else seems to be doing. Matthew 2, verse 13 through 15. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son, a boomerang. In between these stories of the kindness of Pharaoh's daughter and the kindness of Joseph, Mary's fiance, sandwiched between centuries, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah about the way he would one day come back and rescue Egypt as Egypt had provided sanctuary for his son. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt and a monument to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. When they cry out to the Lord because of their oppressors, he will send them a savior and a defender and he will rescue them. So the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians. And in that day, they will acknowledge the Lord. They will worship with sacrifices and grain offerings. They will make vows to the Lord and keep them. The Lord will strike Egypt with a plague. He will strike them and heal them. They will turn to the Lord and he will respond to their pleas and heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. The Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria. The Egyptians and Assyrians will worship together. These had been some of the greatest enemies of God's people. They will worship God together. In that day, Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, Egyptian, Hebrew, neither slave nor free nor is there male nor female you are for you are all one in christ jesus blessed be egypt my people gentiles gentiles like most of us here today it's gonna be okay The boomerang of the kindness of the daughter of Pharaoh came back to her hand, so to speak. She saved Moses, and God invited her offspring into the final exodus that Jesus led for all people through the power of his death and resurrection. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures we lived in malice and envy being hated and hating one another but when the kindness and love of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Out of kindness, Pharaoh's daughter gave her name to Moses, saving his life. Out of kindness and obedience to God, Joseph gave his name to Mary, saving her reputation. Out of kindness, God saved us, not because we deserved it, but because of his mercy. God saved us and made us his family. We are God's heirs with Christ. As we grow more and more to resemble our Father, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control begin to define who we are and what we do in the world. We bring all these things into the world where we are, and the world Is transformed under God's authority direction and training as God's child your kindness may hit a mark you never could have hit in your own power and come back to your hand with results you never could have thought to ask for or even imagine I'm going to invite uh, Kate and Diane to come up, a special song, and the musicians. So sometime today or this week, later on, I'm going to invite you to stop for a moment and reflect on a time when you've experienced kindness, either in extending kindness to someone or in being the recipient. How did that make you feel? Imagine that happening more and more and more as we all grow together into maturity in Christ. It's going to be okay.